0: You're listening to Retirement, Straight Talk About Your Money, with Mike Mayo.
1: Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Retirement, Straight Talk About Your Money. I'm your host, Mike Mayo. We're talking about uh, risks in retirement investing. Uh, Quite frankly, many of them are risks that could be applied to almost any level of investing in terms of where you are in your lifespan. But we're focusing on primarily the ones that uh, would affect folks who are coming upon or in retirement. So the first one, the biggest one actually, is longevity. Most people don't anticipate how long they're going to be on the planet. And so they tend to uh, under-anticipate just how much money they'll need and for how long. Uh, Okay, death of spouse, uh, when that would happen... Of course, we don't know that. A change in marital status, which, of course, the death of a spouse would qualify, but here we're talking about divorce. And uh, stock market risk, public policy risk, um, your inability to live independently, a big jump in health care costs and needs, uh, unexpected needs of some family members, and uh, a lack of facilities or caregivers for you and or your spouse and a lack of information to help you make a good, informed decisions. Well, I want to start with the investment risks, uh, the different kinds. There is more than one, uh, contrary to what a lot of the media seem to believe. The media only focuses on up and down. Well, there's a lot more to it than that, folks. Um, and we'll start with that one. The market risk, it's the one most focused on. Principal risk is another term for this Principle being the money you invested in the first place and is it higher or lower? That's what you want to know. And balancing these risks improves your chance of making it to uh, your goals. So w- what about purchasing power risk? I think this is the uh, a very significant one, let's put it that way. It's also known as inflation risk. And see, here's the catch. If you're too conservative, your money will likely not grow enough enough to keep you even with and much less stay ahead of inflation it erodes your buying power because all things else being equal uh, even if you had the same rate of return on your investments over x number of years and you had a, a a steady inflation rate 10 years out from now you'd be able to buy less with that money than you can now that's how it works So interest rate risk, we've been seeing some of this of late. Uh, It means to how and when interest rates change relative to how your individual fixed income holdings are priced. Now that's fixed um, fixed income, whether they're individual issues or in funds of some type or another. If rates continue to go up from here, your existing positions may see a loss depending upon One, what is the rate of interest on that existing position or positions? And how long is it until the bond comes due? The further out in time a bond or CD uh, comes due, the more risk you have in terms of price relative to if you have to sell it before maturity. If you hold these things to maturity, you get your money back. Now, as an important note, bond funds do not come due. But they are subject to this type of risk as well because what they own is bonds and uh, equivalents. So then we've got liquidity risk. What does that mean? Well, that means that you're unable to sell all or part of your holdings at a fair price whenever you want to. Another term for this is thinly traded. That means a stock, uh, perhaps some of these that have been in the news... uh, You can't seem to find the shares to uh, when it comes time to sell them, and uh, it—I mean, excuse me—in terms of when to buy them, it can be a challenge. And again, it is a challenge primarily with these uh, lesser-known stocks and bonds. What about concentration risk? You see this a lot in folks who uh, you know work for a company and are true believers, and they want to load up in their retirement plan and so on with their individual company shares, and that's all fine or they do it just because they're enamored with a particular sector, well, now you become a fortune teller. You're not an investor anymore. know Your loss due to these concentrated uh, investments in one specific investment or uh, a sector uh, really re- raises your risk factor quite significantly. And then we have something called reinvestment risk. Now, this is in the case of bonds or CDs. When they come due, Say you had uh, no. This isn't uh, likely in today's world, but say you had a CDA that was five percent, and with the interest rates having uh, come due excuse me, having been reversed lower, uh, you're then going to see maybe a three percent the next time you roll it over. Well, what happened to that two percent? How does that affect your cash flow, your needs for living, and so on? Having to maintain a certain cash flow in the face of falling income, as folks have found over the last few years, can cause you to have to sell something. And so especially if you have a primarily heavily skewed fixed income portfolio, um, and that includes bonds in uh, mutual funds, this adds to the downward spiral because you're going to have less principal on which to earn future returns. See, if you have to sell something, that takes away from the principal you're working with. And even if the interest rate stays the same, there's less principal to earn interest on. So longevity risk, <laughs> you live too long. I mean, what are you going to do about that one? I'm not exactly sure. But arrange your holdings to ensure at least some income over your entire lives. And there are investments that can, in fact, guarantee that for you. So your <clears throat> excuse me, primary retirement risk, I think, Longevity, inflation, health care, long-term care costs, and investing results. And, you know, you're, you're investing risks. And I think this is a big one for certain uh, folks is stock market reluctance. Forget how high it is or how low it is. It's just that they can't seem to get their minds and hearts around investing in the stock market because once upon a time, they were convinced that it was, quote-unquote, too risky. Well, um, in today's world um, of, re- of uh, return-free bonds, uh, I'm afraid that you have to perhaps reconsider what you're doing and look at reallocating some of those assets. And now we're back to in another investing risk. Declining interest income—that's what's been happening—and so you have reinvestment risk. You say, "Okay," but interest rates are going up. Yeah, they're going up. They don't go up like the stock market goes up, but they do go up. And I'm of the personal opinion they're going to continue to do that, not in uh, hell bent for election fashion, but going higher. And so the challenge is, though, with all the bonds and bond uh, income uh, type investments you have now, uh, as rates rise, the principal value of existing bonds will tend to drop. So do we take a loss and try to reinvest into another issue that has a higher rate of return? Do I hold to maturity? You know, and again, when you're not earning much interest in the first place, the main reason to have bonds in your portfolio in today's world is simply to provide a little uh, anti-market fluctuation movement it, it's not related to how stocks work so it does tend to balance things out and then uh, excuse me as a retired person to have what they call negative point in time sales in other words sequence of returns you can see uh, one investor having a, a an, well two investors having average rates of return over s- of seven percent over ten years each of them the challenge being that one investor, the first couple of years of their investments, the market was lower. And the other investor, uh, their last couple of years were lower. So they were basically opposite, even though they earned, quote unquote, the same return. What happens to that first person who saw erosion in the early years is they will likely run out of money, all things else being equal. Uh, much sooner than the person who uh, endured the drop-off at the end. And there are ways to structure your portfolios to help mitigate against some of that. Now, there are things you cannot control, believe it or not. No matter how much you get aggravated about it, there's just some things you can't control. One, the moves of the market, up, down, sideways, whatever. Uh, Political pronouncements. The level of corporate profits what the federalities are doing about the interest rates, the market fluctuation, national economic trends, inflation direction, the GDP, pick one. I mean, you can't control those. So you gotta operate in an environment, in in a portfolio that does not, how would I say, factor in those things. Because here's the things you can control. You have an investment strategy that you can stay with no matter what's going on. That's the whole idea. The key in being successful in your investing, in retirement or anytime, time, is to not let your emotions start driving your bus. Uh, you have to just maintain a low profile and not do anything silly. This is where your advisor can really work to your benefit. Other things you can control, what do you actually have in that portfolio? I mean... Uh, uh, is, it, is it good, solid stuff? Is it a hodgepodge of things that uh, various and sundry people told you were good ideas? I don't know, but it will certainly be uh, something you can control. How are your assets allocated? Are they allocated in such a way as to uh, minimize your market fluctuation while maximizing the ability for you to get to where you want to be? That's one thing advisors help you do. How frequently do you trade? Now, this... <laughs> This can be really a challenge because if you're a short-term trader, if you're one of these folks trying to follow all these crazy stocks that uh, have been in the news in the last few months, you know, you can be making all this money, but those are all short-term gains, and that tri- they're taxed at ordinary income. So you want to keep your gains long i.e. long-term, that's holding something 366 days or longer. And, oh, by the way, I'm referring in taxable accounts because in your retirement plans, none of this applies. okay So in your uh, uh, taxable accounts, mm, you want to, again, keep your gains long and your losses short because uh, short-term, meaning less than a year, so that you can get at least some tax benefit out of um how might I say, inappropriate uh, investment. So what about the tax treatment of your holdings? Well, your less tax-efficient holdings, you should have those in either your tax-free or tax-deferred accounts, such as your retirement accounts. And those would include things like stocks that have been held less than a year and any actively managed funds or any high-yield bonds. because And like... Um, uh, Variable annuities, too, because they will do transactions, and you'd want to be getting uh, taxed on those while you're uh, letting it grow. And what radio, TV, blog, commentators do you follow? There's a thing called confirmation bias, which I was educated to in my behavioral financial advisor training. And it basically says you tend to listen only to the folks who look at the world like you do. And of course, well, if everybody thinks like you do, that must be the right answer. Well, that isn't quite how the markets work. And please understand that all the markets go up and down daily. To a greater or lesser extent, most of the time, folks aren't even aware of the big swings that happen intraday. But that's what they do. They're just voting on whatever the news is at that particular time. But just focus on trends, not the news. And the one thing, well, three things you can can really control, and here we are back to uh, your own attitudes, is your hopes, your expectations, your goals, and your emotions. As long as you can keep those in control, you'll do okay. Now... I want to close with one thing about this reinvestment risk. I've got some actual data here about how this can affect what you're doing. And it also brings to mind the tendency of a lot of folks to say, well, you know, I'm. how much is that stock paying in a dividend? Or how much is that bond paying in interest or that CD? And if you focus totally on those numbers... The yields, as they're called, the returns. See, those are pretty much fixed. And in a lot of cases, if they're high relative to whatever the market is, uh, don't anticipate much growth in whatever the asset is that's paying out those dividends. Uh, Utilities are good for that. They pay out a lot of money in dividends, uh, but tend not to see much price movement. That's why they're called bond surrogates. In lieu of bonds, they pay high interest, but they don't tend to move a lot. But they do move relative to interest rates. So, say for example, you've been uh, wanting to, or you've been keeping that uh, fixed amount in a bank account. Uh, well, no, let's say you've been investing in treasuries uh, since 1981 and you kept $50,000 in there and You use that as a basic source of your income. Well, in May of 1981, and you can look this up, the 10-year treasury had an interest rate of 16.3%. So that would have given you $679 a month. That's cool. Okay. Now, I, I invested in a bond in 1981, and I was earning 16.3, and it came due seven years later, in, in uh, March of 1989. And I was earning 8.8 percent. Oh, that's like half. So now I'm only getting 367 dollars a month. You see, where well, here's a problem for that particular person because if they were living on that 679, and now all of a sudden it's 367, whoa. Where's that other money coming from? And here's the issue of having to sell some of the the holdings in order to fill up that cash flow. Here's the worst one. Here's the, uh, again, May 81, was 16.3, December 08, 0.03. You would have earned $13 per month on a $50,000 investment. And right now, again, right now being April of 2021, Uh, We're earning 1.56 on a 10-year, so it's $65. So over the last uh, 20, 40 years, we've seen uh, the one-tenth. We're earning $65 versus $679. Now, I'm not going to suggest that this is going to happen again. That would be silly. But I'm suggesting to you that the interest rates do fluctuate and you can't count on them being there for you at the rate you're investing in all the time. So I hope you found these uh, guidelines uh, helpful. Listen to it again for more insights. But uh, I appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. And uh, we look forward to having you back for the next episode of Retirement Straight Talk About Your Money. I'm Mike Mayo. I thank you very much for listening.
0: You've just listened to Retirement Straight talk about your money with Opus 111 Group's Mike Mayo. This podcast is published for residents of the United States and is for informational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or product that may be referenced herein. Persons mentioned in this broadcast may only offer services and transact business and or respond to inquiries in states or jurisdictions in which they have been properly registered or are exempt from registration. Not all products and services referenced in this podcast are available in every state jurisdiction or from every person listed. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. and Arbor Point Advisors, LLC. Opus 111 Group, Arbor Point Advisors, and Securities America are separate entities. Securities America and its representatives do not offer tax or legal advice. We may only offer services in states in which we are properly registered. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to this podcast and our next episode will come to you.